Hi, I'm Sarika. And I'm Kirtana. And this is the Dial-Up Book Club. And today, we're finally talking about the final installment of the Twilight Saga. It is over, Thank ladies and gentlemen. Christ. Thank and God. Pals. I cannot begin to explain how happy I am to finally say goodbye to this series. Me neither. Finally. <laughs> it's over. It's people. been a long time. I feel like it's been years. I feel like years of my life are removed. I mean, close enough. It's been two months. Has it actually been that long? Oh, God. Um, no wonder I feel like it's been years. Okay. Yeah. You know, I didn't even realize it was two months until I said it. I just didn't even realize it's been two months. I just realized, oh, a lot of my time has just gone. In reading this absolute yeah. <laughs> yes. whatever it is. <laughs> so, uh, there seems to be some construction noise going on around my house somewhere. So, if that gets caught, I apologize in advance. We're trying to stay away from it, but um, circumstances. Yeah. Um, so, we've got all that out of the way. Jump into the story. <laughs> Okay, we've decided because Breaking Dawn is split into three different books, right? Which I don't know why. But it is. So we're going to give short summaries per book so that we don't drag it out like last time. Like last two times. Do you want to start <laughs> with book one? <laughs> Honestly, book one is just Bella saying, oh no, I'm getting married. And then she actually gets married. And then she's just horny uh, for the rest of book one. <laughs> genuinely, I think that's a very good summary in itself. They go for a honeymoon and then she seduces Edward Cullen. It, and it's literally uh, all she thinks about. Yes, it's all she talks about for the whole <laughs> Literally, the entire of book one is just her being like, how can I, want I get sex. Edward to sleep with me? <laughs> And she, de- she she genuinely does everything possible just to make that happen. And book one ends with uh, Bella finding out that she is pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to book two. <laughs> All her seducing works. <laughs> works. If you want to, I mean, that's a debate for later. But <laughs> okay, book two is told from Jacob's point of view. He is basically hanging around waiting to hear the news that Bella's become a vampire. And then he hears that the Cullens are back and she's sick. So he goes over to visit them, discovers that she's pregnant, tells his pack about it. And they're all like, oh, we can't let this monster live. We have to kill it because we don't know the threat it poses. Jacob is immediately like, if you kill the monster, you're going to kill Bella. And then he ends up breaking away from the pack. And forms his own mini pack. Becomes an alpha of his own. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then his pack dedicates themselves to like looking after Bella. And then it just, that's basically it from his story. Yeah. And then the rest of his book, it's more about the end of Bella's pregnancy and how he wants to not be in love with her and he wants to just be able to walk away, but he can't because he is drawn to her for some reason. At the very end of the, his book, Bella gives birth mm. 
he finds he no longer feels so drawn to Bella. Instead, that pull is somewhere else. It's in the direction of the new baby. And then he locks eyes with the baby and he imprints. And we'll discuss that later. Suddenly, I can't get into it now. shifts. Ugh. Okay. I can't. Sudden, this is genuinely what he said. Suddenly, gravity shifts. She is now the center of his universe. Okay? Book two ends that way. Moving on to book three. Yes. With Bella. She is now a new, newborn vampire. Okay? Initially, everyone's very surprised that she is able to control her new vampire urges so well. And, um... She was concerned that she's going to lose her sex drive. She did not. <laughs> uh, it just got worse. She realizes her baby's name is now Renesme, uh, as in her, yeah, her no, 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 no. It's a daughter. I, I'm not calling her Renesme in this podcast. I'm going to refer to her strictly as Nessie, just to spite Bella. Yes, because Bella can hear you. I don't care. And then come. It makes me feel better. <laughs> no, go for it. Um... Yes, so her daughter is named after the Loch Ness Monster, which she gets very annoyed about. She finds out that uh, Jacob has imprinted on her daughter, gets very upset about that. Good on her. She reconnects with Charlie, everything is fine. Things kind of seem like they're settling in. Of course, things have to go wrong somewhere. Someone else sees Nessie. They think she's an immortal child, which is a human child that's been turned into a vampire. Yes. And so a frozen like that, not a developing half-human, half-vampire thing that Nessie actually is. Yes. So this person comes, sees uh, Nessie, uh, assumes that it's an immortal child, goes, reports it to the World Theory. World Theory are now ready to attack. A lot of people join the fight, all start training each other um, Bella discovers that she has powers. Woohoo. Where she can... Um, She's one of the X-Men now. Essentially, her power is the ability to block other people from reading her mind. So now she can extend that to other people too. So it's kind of like an umbrella. Yes. She can protect everyone now from the rain. Rain here being other people's mental attacks. Basically... They're ready to fight in the Volturi are looking for any excuse. So they keep poking them. You know, they're just trying to find some fault. But because of Brella, uh, but because of Bella's umbrella. But because she's got her umbrella, they can't do their normal attacks that they would do, that they would call administering justice, but actually isn't. So they can't get away with it, basically. The Volturi really have no excuse at this point, so they just pack up and go home. And then everyone's just happy. All the other people that they've gathered to wit- as witnesses leave. And it's just Bella, Edward, and Nessie at the end. And then Bella again being like, oh, more sex, yay. Yes, it ends with them having sex. Oh, it so awful. I'm so glad that as a teenager, for some reason, like when I read that the end of the book, I always pictured it as them... Like, they were still walking home. Oh, you poor thing. I don't know why. I guess I wasn't paying enough attention to notice that they were getting it on. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Now that we've gotten the summary out of the way, let's get into trashing it. <laughs> God. Where to start? Um, let's go in chronological order. I have to say, I mean, I actually really like 
to a certain extent that Bella is so needy for sex um because in a way it's nice to see women asking for it yeah and, and actually actively wanting to have yeah. sex um whereas usually we just see a lot of men initiating it constantly i definitely feel that way however I said in the Eclipse episode that I feel uncomfortable reading the intimate scenes. I feel even more uncomfortable now because they're even more intense. So, yes, I applaud that she has intense. a sex drive. But also, I don't want to read about it. They're even more intense. But also, I think, again, because they're so badly written. Um, you can just kind and of, because it kind of brush over it. It kind of feels like uh, Edward is being coerced to an extent. I mean just because Bella is saying oh it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine come on let's do it and then let's get it on yeah <laughs> I'm sorry y'all had to see Sarika's face because oh dear jesus okay I'm just imagining Bella doing that now and uh... <laughs> and you imagine trying to turn someone on by doing that let's get it on <laughs> and that too she's trying to wear like really lacy lingerie and all of that jazz so um zoidberg dance movements oh my god <laughs> I think zoidberg is the most unsexy thing <laughs> i had to say that hey poor zoidberg poor zoidberg but also facts are facts that's true um well that was a good tangent um but yeah terrible to read because they're really not well done um it honestly just feels like she's trying very 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 hard to get him to have sex with her and it's kind of uncomfortable to a point um i get why she's doing it because i know that he has a lot of hesitation can i just say that the sex scenes are not well written but i also don't want them to be well written because they're still teenagers like I don't want to be able to enjoy them. I don't want to be reading them at all actually. <laughs> They're so teenagers and um I think the even more vaguely disturbing thing is again the whole power dynamic is so clear like he is so upset over the fact that he's hurt her uh, because the first time they actually do end up having sex um she has a lot of bruises like a lot of bruises really bad ones and then he's the one to hold back and say no 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 constantly and she's still like yes give it to me even though he wants to say yes and this just feels like that song from hamilton show me how to say no it is i was just thinking of that <laughs> as, as you said when i was reflecting on this book and preparing for this episode i think breaking dawn was the book i reread the most when i was a teenager and it was the one i liked the most and i think that's because there was no more love triangle thank god for that and based on that it makes sense why eclipse was my least favorite book when i was younger having said that now as you've pointed out we don't have the love triangle but we just have her constantly going edward 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 i don't know which is more annoying <laughs> Actually I think the love triangle was a bit more bearable than this. This is constant there's no let up. There's genuinely nothing like Edward smiles and she's like mm. <laughs> let me jump on him. 
Yes. Genuinely, it's like she's only got one thing on her mind. Like, you know, this whole sex on the brain thing. I, I, genuinely, I think that's Bella in the entire of Breaking Dawn. You know what? That's, that was her mindset when she was human, right? So maybe that's why she got frozen with it as a vampire. <laughs> you know, actually, that's not a bad theory. That's really not a bad theory. I did not think of that. All I want to say about the honeymoon is that the pillow biting thing was hilarious and I could not take the rest of it seriously the, after that. The <laughs> entire honeymoon was actually just very funny. Uh, I don't think I stopped laughing at any point of time. But it was kind of interesting to see how they kind of brought in indigenous cultures and folklore into the story. I didn't like the way they did it. It was just interesting that she chose to do it. Um because it doesn't i think like i was saying before also doesn't seem like there's a lot of respect for indigenous communities anyway yeah definitely uh so the way they brought it up even now with um they're superstitious and yeah they're superstitious and like it's a maid so they're clearly talking about someone who's below um a certain economic status mm-hmm. I think there are issues with the fact that the only people they interact with in Brazil are the staff, the way they portray it as, as being very superstitious. And like he um, says that, oh, she's superstitious. She believes in their myths and legends. And then he rolls his eyes. When clearly he is a myth and legend. Himself. Yeah. <laughs> but just like no one takes it seriously because they're like, oh, she's just super superstitious. Um, mm. And then later on, they're like, oh, maybe they're myths and legends have some validity to them we should go check them out maybe she was right that's what annoyed me the most like it wasn't the fact that like he brushed it off but it was just that later he decided that it was important oh but also speaking of the way they handle native people did you notice the way this is much later in the book now we're jumping to the third part the way she talks about the egyptian coven and also the, Amazon, thank you. the Amazonian coven. Oh my Jesus God, thank you so much for I have quotes for up. the Amazon coven, by Same the way. here. Uh, Amazons, stretched, long figures, wild. That is her genuine description for how, for how the Amazons look. And then she also says, it wasn't just their eccentric clothes that made them seem wild, but everything about them, from their restless crimson eyes to their sudden darting movements, I'd never met any vampires less civilized. And then she talks about how she is hesitant to let Nessie be near them because she's scared. Yeah, that actually, that entire thing really upset me so much. And, and the way even, she describes um, them wearing like animal, animal skins and therefore they're wild, it adds to it. Even the Egyptians, right? Hmm. Uh, she says that they all look the same thanks to their skin tone and hair color. Oh, yeah. And I, I literally my first thought was like, no one said that about you and the Cullens. You all have the same skin tone. Literally not one person said you all look the same. That's a good How point, actually. Even though a bunch How of the Cullens have brown hair. Even like Rosalie and Jasper are both blonde, but they're still distinct. And they all people. have golden eyes. Yeah. They all have literally the same color eyes. Um, no, she doesn't say that about the Denali tone. Coven. And the Denali Coven, they're sisters. So they all genet- they look the same anyway. Because they were related. No, she had but to they all about are the Egyptians. Yeah. Because they're the ones with the darker skin and the similar hair color. And she genuinely said they all look the same. Speaking of the, uh, the Egyptians, though, Benjamin is the avatar. 
Yes. Earth, fire, wind. Eh. I messed up the order. Yeah. I don't know why I said wind. But um, yeah. <laughs> so she doesn't handle these non-lying yeah, vampires very well. To say the least. Essentially, like Mayor's racism is showing and showing bad. Um, and it's actually fairly disturbing to read. Um, especially as especially for both of us as people who are not white, it yeah. makes it even more upsetting, I think, for me. You know what the thing that bugs me the most about it is not even the Egyptian coven, but it's how she treats the Amazon coven and um that maid that we were talking about because they're indigenous people and it's like what we were discussing about how she treats Jacob as an indigenous person and how they're all like wild and magical they believe they have all these myths that they believe in because they're more superstitious than white people but I was also thinking of the other uh, half human half vampire that they brought what's his name Na 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 well Na well yes Na well the way uh, Bella is so um, what's the word cautious about him oh yeah like he, she kept being like oh he uh, he was staring at Nessie the entire time I don't want him to be hitting on my daughter like who said crazy? anything about hitting on your daughter like you just jumped to that yeah. conclusion so I just I just genuinely don't like how Maya's taken these characters and demonized them she's made them sound horrible at first impression um, since we're talking about these, you know, indigenous characters and stuff, I feel the need to, like... The need look, for speed. Look, the maid isn't relevant to the story, really. But I feel the name to give her a name. And you feel the need to give her a name in this podcast and acknowledge her. So her name is Kaore. Don't know if mm. I'm pronouncing that right, but that's her name. So we should be calling her Kaore instead of the maid, but she's irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. Which is kind of sad. Yeah. Right. Anyway, the racism thing we spoke about, because honestly, that was a big point that I'd written down. Something that I didn't pick up on when I first read it. No. Um, but Me neither. this time around, it was really strong. And uh, I just genuinely was sitting there questioning my life and also questioning why Mayor has this need to. For speed. That also. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Uh, um, can I just say that uh, even though Jacob's segment of the book was actually the most entertaining to read for multiple reasons. And he's um, not going on about Edward every two seconds. That is correct. But it's so cliche. The entire idea of like, girl wants to keep baby. Boy does not want baby. Get rid of baby. Must abort. Girl is saying no, protect baby. And Carlisle and, and Edward want were trying to abort Nessie without Bella's consent. Yes, like they immediately jumped to that conclusion that okay, she's going to have an abortion when they get back. And even after they got back, they would have gone through with it if Rosalie wasn't protecting Bella, which is crap, utter crap. How much ever this baby really was destroying Bella. Yeah. It's still... It's still Bella's choice. Absolutely. So, for these... For all... Pro-choice, man. Like, you, you want to keep this 
baby that is actually destroying you fine um i must say though that like i have new appreciation for the whole childbirth thing after the placenta podcast that i sent you but speaking of the placenta podcast uh which i will link in the show notes it's by radio lab and it was very informative i did not know this much about placentas before this i didn't uh, think i needed to but like you said i have a new appreciation for childbirth it's very good um please go listen after you finish here of course but um <laughs> You know what I was thinking? Because in the placenta podcast, they point out, they um, are talking about how the placenta like attaches to your uterus. Like, I look, I'm not going to explain it very well because I don't remember off the top of my head and I listened to it a while ago. But from what I remember, they talk about how the placenta it, attaches to the like uterus. It's claws and then yes. And it basically like takes your blood or yeah. like the parent's blood to provide the nutrients and whatever. And when I was listening to that, I've been saving it for this. This thing, it reminded me of Bella drinking the blood when she yeah. was pregnant for Nessie. Yeah. So, because, see, the placenta's main job at any point of time is to provide for the baby. The placenta is actually like the main mother, at least according to this podcast. And it makes so much sense. Um, so, essentially, Bella's body and placenta was fighting for um her baby's survival so stephanie Meyer gets a lot of things wrong when it comes to biology but this was this she got right oh i don't know if she got um, it right but it wasn't completely wrong and it makes and some then sense she proceeds to ruin it by saying uh when edward says the placenta is detached and bella's, bella's like, first <laughs> assumption is the baby can't breathe <laughs> baby can't breathe baby can't breathe and i'm like no no your baby can breathe fine just not getting food anymore you know um, what else so she, she gets still wrong weird biology yeah you know what else she gets wrong when it comes to biology at the beginning um when bella first realizes that she's pregnant she's like there was definitely no period though i'd never been a day late in my life yeah i mean that's bull <laughs> that's, that's absolute bull. crap okay However wonderful your body is functioning, I am very sure that all of us have had like at least a day or two miss, either early or late. At least, if not more, like especially minimum. Yeah, especially in those early years when your body's trying to regulate your cycle, and I'm assuming Bella doesn't have any other health conditions that would lead her to have also she's irregular only periods, 80. like. Exactly. So she's still so regulating. Definitely, <laughs> definitely, she will have irregular periods. Okay, because she's still her life, her her menstrual cycle will still be adjusting or in that phase of adjustment. Even if you want to say that she started her periods when she was thirteen, and by some miracle they adjusted really quickly in that first year, that's still a year of irregular periods. <laughs> what is this nonsense? Oh, I've never had a day. Late. I've never been a day late in my life ever. And also, seriously, one day is nothing. Yeah. We expect to be one day late. Menstruators, you all know what I'm talking about. It really bugs me. Okay, look, I had this story time here. I went to see the GP once um, <laughs> about my menstrual cycles. And I mentioned that mine were very irregular. Because they were. And this male GP 
immediately dismissed what I was saying and started talking about how oh you women like to stick to this 28 day thing because you just want to put a date in your diaries but you know that's not how menstrual cycles work and I was trying to say that I know that I also know that there is a bigger problem and I would like to get referred but he just wouldn't listen to me after that and just kept going on about how the 28 day thing is an average and it's definitely not the same for every woman and blah 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 blah. he kept going on uh so he was a douche but he it's correct that the 28 day thing is an average and yet see i don't think people who menstruate put this much emphasis on 28 days they only do it because doctors do it's like everyone acknowledges that it's an average and it probably and it's not going to fit everyone it's not a one-size-fits-all thing and yet people still stick to it like it's a one-size-fits-all thing so it makes no sense but yeah it just it makes no sense either for bella to be freaking out because the cycle didn't fit in perfect yeah i mean in this case it was yeah of course she was right that's a different story. He was story. right. But that's a, yeah, exactly. It's a different story. But her coming to that conclusion because she was one day late for her period is um, a little dicey. Exactly. And considering Stephanie Meyer had three kids already by this point. She, she should wrote this know book, this. Like, she should. Yeah. I kind of don't get her whole like pregnancy and childbirth thing because... I get that, oh, when she discovers she's pregnant, she doesn't want to have an abortion. That's fine. I completely get that. But I also don't see her as being very maternal either. And she said... In- really? I that was one thing that I actually felt fit very well with her character from the start because they really emphasize this whole motherly characters from think- the beginning. Look, they, em- they emphasize the maternal side to her because she's had to look after all these people in her life. But then she also says that I don't really have an interest in children. I've raised, I've like had to look after Renee. I don't really have an interest in doing it again. And when Edward asks her about becoming a vampire, she doesn't care about giving up, being able to have kids. And when she actually is a mother, like I understand when she's pregnant, she develops that attachment. She's like, no, I want my baby now. Even when she was a mother and she had Nessie, I didn't feel super strong maternal vibes. It just kind of felt like, okay, she's there. And you do worry about she does worry about her. She is, and her any does concern. Does take care of her to some extent. She does take care of her, and like her main concerns. If she's concerned about anything, she's concerned about Nessie. But in general, I just. But in general, she's still very hung up on. I can have sex with Edward all day. Yeah, it didn't feel because genuinely Edward has to constantly remind her, saying, "Renesmee, please, we need to go now." She wasn't shown very well as a mother herself. Um, but her having a child just made sense uh, in that sense that they've really built up the whole motherly instincts and her motherly features and characters yeah and they made they, it seem now, like she needed someone to look after you know what else was interesting about her being a mother as well there's that one um, scene oh speaking of Nessie <laughs> you know when they're trying to get people to come and meet her so that they can witness against the Volturi and then there's that one person who's like, you seem to have your mother's eyes, but your father's face. And I immediately thought of Harry Potter. <laughs> also, Renesme is a girl, so her having her father's face is just sad. I have my father's face. Yes, but you've done it well. 
<laughs> you make it sound like I had any hand in it. <laughs> As in, like it works for you, you know, like. Thanks. But. <laughs> I have a very vivid imagination of Renesmi, and my imagination, my the image is not very nice. Right. I know they're both supposed to be extremely good looking and all that jazz, but like Edward is still shown to be a very masculine looking person. Not in my head. In my head, he looks very like bishy. That. Uh, you know, Bishonen, pretty boys in anime and manga. Ah, ah, ah. In that, in my head, that's how Edward looks. So in my head, like, and he's even got like sparkly eyes, like he's in like he's an anime character. So for me, it doesn't make that much difference. <laughs> Twinkle, twinkle. She's like, okay. Uh, she did have curly hair. That was cool, though. That mm. she's supposed to be so pretty and irresistible, and she's got curly hair. Thankfully, has hair that falls like ringlets. Thank you, everyone. Mayor. You know, there's a bit when they're saying, like, that ne- uh, Nessie was irresistible. What was it about her that drew everyone to her, made them willing even to pledge their lives in her defense? My theory is that this is genetic because you know how Bella gets her powers from Charlie because he also has a hard to read mind. Nessie gets hers from Renee because she draws people to her and makes them want to do stuff for her. But with Nessie, it's taken up a notch because she's half vampire. But in just of her, just like charisma, charisma, yeah, just her raw charisma is from her grandmother. That is my theory. Um. You have interesting vampire theories today. I really do, don't I? I feel so smart. But it's about Twilight, it's not really. But anyway. Um, about Twilight, so I'm really questioning where your brain energy is gone. But Now, going back to Bella being mother, when they're talking, when she's... Okay, at this point, they're scared about the Volturi coming to kill them. And she describes Renesme stroking her face, showing me nothing, just trying to soothe me. I'd never thought to see the mother-daughter bond reversed between us the way it all has been for Renee and me. But I hadn't had a very clear view of the future. It's just interesting that she doesn't want to continue that cycle. Pass it on. But it kind of has. And I know it's just in this moment and it's because she's stressed. It's not made clear whether this is a regular thing. But the fact that it happened at all is just interesting. And it's only interesting based on her own background. Yeah, I don't know if I have anything major to add to this. Oh, I have another point about motherhood in general. When they're talking about how Leah can't have kids anymore. And Jacob is talking about her thought process, because obviously as wolves, they can read each other's minds. And one of her concerns is um, that she's infertile. And was it that because she wasn't as female as she should be? And what is with the language they give? You know, people who can't have children. I'm telling you, Mia is very ableist and very racist. She even says, so I become the freak, the girly wolf, good for nothing else. I'm a genetic dead end and we both know it. Like, is that all we're good for if you have a uterus? It's... Even with um, Bella, right? Like, they made sure that she stayed alive long enough to mm. give birth. Just so she's able to say that she is now a good female and she has, has a child, passed on yeah. her gene 
has continued her heritage and genetic line um and she's done her job she's done her duty as a woman and yeah. i and she almost died for it by the way she almost died for it while mayor has shown that yes there are risks and all of that she makes it so glorified that you know yes there are risks it's worth but it. we must take the risk because mm. it's worth it because our baby is beautiful and it's our baby you know that i made with my with the most with, with the person that i love the most all that whatever um romantic sounding things um she's really really negating or removing the experiences of people who cannot have children or just don't want to um, like where's the choice or just don't want to have children um it's yeah basically yes back to my whole thing of like basically mayor is very ableist and extremely racist i'd like to argue sexist also but what like internalized misogyny kind of sexist or at least has very clear defined gender roles for the people yeah. in her books and you see that very clearly like um the man edward is the one doing the protecting and the one who is um the more strong one the powerful one calling all the shots her female role is very clearly assigned as the caretaker as the maternal person as um the one who is the more let's say submissive i want to move on from this whole like better motherhood thing because i think we've talked about that whole topic like quite like it's an unavoidable part of the book that we're going to talk about may i just add that it's actually very disconcerting to see that she went from thinking i am very fragile she herself thinks and knows that she's easily able to get hurt is very clumsy whatever to i can now destroy the universe yeah <laughs> i love how she makes that switch within seconds but i think jacob points out in this book that the yardstick she's using to measure her fragility is very twisted because she's comparing herself to vampires and werewolves and not actual humans yes but we know that she knows that she's clumsy and all of that that's still mm. there so she still does talk about that but i love how all of that just vanished. disappears it's vanished been, it's been such big plot points for three and a half books and then it just disappears at the end vanished <laughs> into thin air she's suddenly not clumsy she's extremely graceful uh very strong very indestructible but seriously mayor needs to um sort her shit out because it honestly sounds like she has major body image issues and um it's quite upsetting if that is true mm that's not nice for anyone not um no matter how much i hate her right now <laughs> for torturing me for two months uh thanks for that sarika i didn't know it was two months um well whose idea was in the first place kirtana can you stop <laughs> <laughs> but yes um but yeah so i mean no matter how much i hate her i think it's still important that she 
I, I really hope she doesn't have body image issues because honestly, I think it's playing off very strongly um, mm. in all these books. And I think she has like a very clear ideal of what a person is supposed to look like when they're beautiful. And um, anything that doesn't match up to that ideal is automatically dismissed by her. And that's very concerning. Yeah. I think you've summed it up very well. There's nothing left for me to add on this particular topic. There's nothing. I, I honestly don't have anything else to say about this book either. Oh, no. You, we have things to say about the rest of Breaking Dawn. We haven't even touched on Jacob's segment yet. Let's not start. I'm, I mean, if we start with Jacob, I'm going to have to create a whole new werewolf quiz. For example... Does your boyfriend now like your child? <laughs> I think that's it. I don't think you need that's the it. That's it. <laughs> I just love how convenient it was that he could just now become an alpha of his own. Okay. Mm. He could so just decide. Could happen. No. <laughs> yeah. Just so nothing would happen. The Cullens wouldn't be touched. Bella wouldn't be touched. Everything would be fine and dandy because he fell in love with an infant. Yeah, I, no matter how much she tries to justify or explain away this imprinting thing, it's not working. And I was glad to see, I was glad to see that Edward and Bella don't buy it either. Even though mm. he's explained it to Bella before and given her some vague idea and Edward can read his mind, I'm glad that neither of them buy it and they're both uncomfortable. Having said all this, at the very end, during the Volturi fight, when they think that everyone's going to die, when Bella finally gives Nessie the fake passports and is like, once the fight starts, just start just start running. And they're all saying their final goodbyes. Okay. She oh said, my God. Edward. Edward <laughs> says, goodbye, Jacob, my brother, my son. My son. <laughs> when I read that, my stomach actually heaved and I gagged. I genuinely thought I was going to throw up. So did I. I could feel my stomach turning. I was, I was legitimately like, okay, one second. It was fine till the my brother part. Why did you have to go and call him your son? <laughs> Which is he, your brother or your son? This is so bad. Also, you're not that much older than him. Yeah, because Jacob's frozen at 16. Edward's frozen at 17. One year. I mean, like, age freezing aside, you're talking about, like, technically or whatever. It's just... It just... Even thinking about that dialogue makes me want to gag. Um, was, the minute oh. you said in the Volturi fight, I knew <laughs> what you were going to say because I was just thinking Because it's just that. that bad. It stands out that much. Oh, God. I know it's supposed to be all sweet. Um... No, or it's supposed to be something. Yeah, it's supposed to be heartbreaking, and he's it's supposed no. to be like, "Oh, Edward has finally made his peace with Jacob, and vice versa." But no, oh my God, no! Um, it was not even close. It was the entire opposite of sweet and nice. It was terrible, and I don't even know. You know, I can't even begin to put to words why it was so bad. I just know instinctively that it was bad. All I can think of is gag let's move on <laughs> please before i actually puke okay one big thing from jacob's segment carlisle just like 
took his DNA and tested his chromosomes without consent. So, running teams, I think, are consent, motherhood, um, messed up yeah. love triangles, toxic relationships. There we go. Okay, in all ways and forms. I think relationships, period. Because even the way Bella deals with Charlie is also fairly toxic. Like we pointed out in Eclipse, how she keeps threatening to leave. Um, but yeah, there, I, again, if Mayor has had issues with consent, I'm concerned again because people listening, please remember consent has to be extremely 100% vocal. Um, in all things, but especially when it comes to medicine as well, anything that is done to you and your body, Jacob did not consent to having his chromosomes like tested. I like how they brushed it off. They completely um, brushed it off. He's just like, oh, whatever, I'm too tired, I don't care. Yeah. He acknowledges like, that he should be more angry about it, but it's completely brushed off. It's just like, oh, well, I should be angry, but can't be bothered, so at least we got some useful information out of it. Yeah. So, yes. So basically, again, I don't know if that's, again, been her experience with medical communities. I really like hope whether, not. I really hope not. Especially when you put that like, um, together with childbirth. Childbirth thing. And um, with what um, what happened in Twilight itself, where they were blood typing oh, without yeah, yeah. consent. And they stuck needles into people without consent. Mm. Um, so... It really makes me think, wonder what kind of authority figures were in Mayor's life um, and what kind of medical care she received mm. and whether it was actually all above board. Yeah. So basically, I just have a lot of questions about Mayor. I'm concerned for her health and safety. Um, I think that's basically how I'd like to just leave it. Uh, I want to leave it on one last thing, which is, what is her obsession with old sweatpants? They're genuinely the comfiest. I think it's just tying very nicely into Mayor's like for everything that's old, like Edward. Like how I feel after taking the last two months to read the series. But we're done now. We're done now. Brings us to the end. And look, I want to discuss... What are we reading next? I want to discuss that with you. So, you suggested Twilight, and we turned that into the Twilight saga when we... Decided, okay, we can handle it enough. I feel like I know where this is going and I hate my life already. And when we decided on the Twilight Saga, I then suggested the host. I said, let's turn it into a full Stephanie Meyer study, a retrospective, and read the host as well. You will be pleased to hear that I cannot handle reading the host right now. God bless you. (laughs) That is the best news you've given me today. I've had a horrifying day, so hearing that has honestly been the highlight. I cannot handle reading through more twisted relationships. And Mayor's writing. Forget that. I just can't handle, like, the relationship drama, and I know the host is basically just that. Um, So I propose we skip that. We can come back to it another time. Much, much later, once we've forgotten the trauma of Twilight. Yes. So let's give ourselves a treat, give everyone else a treat, and let's skip to the book I was going to suggest after the host, which Kirtana still does not know because I told her that I have an idea, but it's a surprise. 
So this is a live reaction again. Let's read. Jinx by Meg Cabot. <gasps> oh my god, oh my god. Yes, it's been so long and I forgot that book entirely. And I'm, I'm actually really excited about this. She's been trying to get me to read this for ages. And I kept saying, yeah, I'll get around to it, I'll get around to it, I'll get around to it. What other time to get around to it? Thanks exactly. For Dial Up Book Club. <laughs> She's dancing on camera. <laughs> I wish you could see this. I'm just very happy I don't have to read Mayor's writing because my keyboard is so much better at writing. If you're not familiar, she wrote the Princess Diary series that got turned into the Disney films. And she's been, she's a very prolific writer, especially in the 2000s. She was just churning out books constantly. And Jinx is one of them. Jinx! <laughs> Don't have to read the host. Thank you. You made my day. And on that note, this episode is coming to a close. So do you want Finally. to do the honors? So I know we said a lot of nonsensical things about Breaking Dawn, but again, if you have any viewpoints that we haven't spoken about and you want us to think about too, please, please, please reach out to us at Dial Up Book Club on Instagram. I would love to do a segment in the next episode or something where we, if you send in thoughts and opinions, we can talk about them, or especially if people send in voice notes that we can include in the episode. That'd be Absolutely. Great. So please reach out to us on Instagram, which is currently our only social media platform. Uh, it is at Dial Up Book Club again. Um, and we will see you again in two weeks with Jinx. And you can read along with us because Jinx is actually not bad. So see you in two weeks to talk about Jinx. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Yes, thank you. <laughs> This concludes our broadcast day.